All right, can you guys hear me? I hear myself, which is good. So for those of you who don't know me, I see a few unfamiliar faces out there today. My name's Rebecca. I am one of the elders here at City Church. I am married to Ken, who just sang and played the piano up there. And I'm excited to preach this morning and continue our God's Not Red series. Where did I put my clicker? It's on the stool. All good. All right. There we go. Now we're going the right way. So we are going to talk about Proverbs 31 today. And I know this isn't really a story, and we've been going through Bible stories, but we're also going through some different passages that are commonly misinterpreted. And I think that this is one of them. So we're going to talk about it today. So I'm going to start by reading Proverbs 31. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all those who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Forgot that was part of Proverbs 31, didn't you? So now going into the more traditional part of Proverbs 31 that we talk about. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers the field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the chance that we have to get together and worship you and talk about you today. And I pray that you would give me wisdom and give me your words and not my own as I go through this passage this morning and that you would teach us um, and may we hear what you want us to hear out of this passage. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so as I said, we're continuing in our God's Not Read sermon series, where we're examining some of the lesser known or often misinterpreted Bible stories. And we're really wanting to look at them in the light of what they tell us overall about the character and the nature of God, and then also how they fit into the systematic theology of the Bible. So how they fit into the overarching themes and other things that are taught throughout the Bible. So when we look at Proverbs 31, ladies, I don't know about you, but this is often how I read it the checklist of condemnation. 
right? Because it goes through all these different things that the, the virtuous woman and the good wife does, and I don't do a lot of them. Or if I try, I don't do a lot of them very well. So every time I've read this, and every time we've, you know, gone to a women's retreat, and we've talked about the Proverbs 31 woman, and there's all kinds of different ministries centered around this. There's even one called Proverbs 31. I often come away feeling like there is absolutely no way that I can live up to being a godly woman at all. So we're going to talk about that this morning, and we're going to talk about what the true gist behind this passage was. So we're going to start with some context overall for the book of Proverbs. So this is a book that is widely accepted to have been written by Solomon. There is some kind of scholarly debate. It's a collection of wise sayings, and Solomon is thought of as the wisest king of the era. So whether or not they were all actually written to Solomon or attributed to him because he was someone that was easily identifiable as a source of wisdom is under some debate, but most scholars agree that Solomon can be widely accepted as the author. It fits into this category of wisdom literature. And some of the other books of the Bible that are part of this category are Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and then also some of the Psalms are also wisdom literature. So according to Mass Study Babel, it says that Proverbs states its theme right at the book's beginning, which is Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. And actually, I think I have this. Its goal is to describe and instill wisdom in God's people, a wisdom that is founded in the fear of the Lord and that works out covenant life in the practical details of everyday situations and relationships. So the Old Testament presents God's redemption as restoring damaged creation and the damaged creature to his proper functioning. Wisdom is part of how we follow through on that process of redemption. It's how that works out practically, which is where the book of Proverbs then fits into the overarching themes of the Old Testament. Proverbs focuses on what restoration should look like in day-to-day -day behavior and also in personal character. And it's instruction that is based on the fear of the Lord, as this says. So it's, it's instruction for covenant people, not necessarily everyone who lives on the earth, but people who are within the covenant and within a relationship with God. It assumes that people already have the fear of the Lord as they're looking at these sayings. There's several different characters that we see within the book of Proverbs that are talked about repeatedly uh, throughout the sayings and then also throughout some of the other texts. There is the wise person, and this is someone who has embraced God's covenant and is living it. We have the fool, who is steadily opposed to God's covenant. The simple, which is a person that's not fully committed either way. And then, especially in the first few chapters of the book of Proverbs, we have this character of the noble lady, who is personified wisdom. Uh, several scholars also say that this is attributed to Christ, and there's some mirror images of Christ, especially in Proverbs 8. So that's sort of where the book of Proverbs fits overall within the Bible. But then I also want to talk specifically about the literature of Proverbs 31. So we tend to kind of forget about the first nine verses, which are those kind of calling out King Lemuel. And this is tended to be the words of his mother calling him out for some of his different behaviors. Not that any of our moms have ever done that to us, right? So then it transitions pretty quickly in verse 10 to this listing through of all the characteristics of the ideal woman. And that is seen to be perhaps an ode that Lemuel is then speaking back to his mother. So after she calls him out on these things, then he's turning around and speaking this ode back to her. But it's also an acrostic poem. So an acrostic poem is where you take the letters A through Z and you have a line that goes for each letter. 
So this is an acrostic in Hebrew, and it goes through each of the Hebrew letters, and each line represents a different letter for that, which is a poetic way of saying that there's this total coverage of the subject that's being, off that's being offered. From A to Z, these are the characteristics of this ideal woman that he's singing back to his mother in this ode. So it's saying that this woman's character runs the whole range of excellence, and she embodies the full character of wisdom that has been commended throughout the book. So we have all these proverbs, all these wise sayings that constitute the book of Proverbs, and it ends with this, this is what it looks like in action from A to Z, total coverage. So it's really this profile of the ideal. And if we look specifically at verse 10, not everybody agrees on how to translate the words that are used there. So the actual Hebrew is Eshet Chayel. I want you all to say it with me. Eshet Chayel. Exactly. Bless you. So there's a couple of different ways that this has been translated. Um, the ESV translates it an excellent wife. The CEB translates it a truly good wife. KGV, a virtuous woman, a wife of noble character, a capable wife, all sort of variations on the same theme, but all a little bit different. So the more direct Hebrew translation of Eshet Chayel is actually a woman of valor. And this is also used in Ruth 3.11 within the Bible, where Boaz describes Ruth as a worthy woman. So, fellow women of valor. <laughs> now, looking at We've looked at the literature of Proverbs 31. I also want to look at kind of how it's used in culture. We're very aware of how it's been used in our Christian culture, but I also want to look at how Proverbs 31 is used in Jewish culture. They've had a few extra years in interpreting the Old Testament on us as evangelical Christians, so I want to look at how they use it. In Jewish culture, it's not the women who memorize Proverbs 31. It's the men. The men memorize it, and then sing it over the women in their lives every Friday at the Friday night supper table just before Sabbath. It's a custom that began about in the 17th century, so it hasn't been around as long as Jewish tradition, but it has been around for a while. And as a literal reading, it's an opportunity for them to offer appreciation back to the women who have done a lot of work throughout the week in keeping care of the home and then also in preparing the meal that they're about to enjoy. It's a blessing sung over the women by the men in celebration and appreciation for what they've done. So when we're looking more at Proverbs 31, it's a poem. It's not a job description. It's a poem. Its purpose is to celebrate wisdom in action, not to instruct women everywhere to get married, have children, take up the loom, buy fields, make clothes. That's not what the point was. The point isn't a job description of all the things that we as women should be doing. It's a poem to celebrate wisdom in action. The only command in Proverbs 31, it's not throughout describing all the ways and all the things that the woman does. It's in verse 31. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her at the gate. It's the only place in there that a command is found, at least in the parts that talk about the women. Lemuel's mom talks to him a little bit more strongly. It's not what we as women do that defines us. It's not our domesticity. It's not our role. It's not what we do. It's the integrity and the bravery and the valor 
that we bring to those roles. It's about the character, the wisdom in action, not the job description. So this is straight from um, a woman who is an Orthodox Jew talking in the blog of the late Rachel Held Evans. Christians seem to think because all the Bible is inspired that it all should be taken as literally as possible. Jews don't do this. I get called a Neshet Chayel, a virtuous woman, a Proverbs 31 woman, all the time. Make your own challah, which is bread, instead of buying, Eshet Chayel. Do work to earn extra money for the family, Eshet Chayel. Make balloon animals for the kids on a holiday, very Eshet Chayel. You see, even though Orthodox Jews take the Torah very literally, all 613 commandments, the rest is seen differently, as a way to understand our Creator and not as literal commands. Every week at the Sabbath table, my husband sings Eshet Chayel right after blessing the kids, and it's special because I know that no matter what I do or don't do, he sees everything past the minimum needed to survive as me blessing the family with my energy and creativity. All women can do that, and many already do. So to recap, Proverbs 31, not meant to be a checklist of condemnation. It's not how it was meant to be at all. It's a blessing and a celebration for wisdom and action, a poem that's meant to celebrate the A to Z of complete excellence. And a Shet Chayel, it's about character and not a job description. Ladies, it's not, it's not a checklist of all the things that we have to do. Gentlemen, it's not a checklist of all the things to look for in a wife. No woman will ever be able to live up to the A to Z of complete excellence and complete wisdom and action. So, what I want to do is kind of take Proverbs 31 back, and I want to take back the spirit of Eshet Chayel. This week, and this is going to end up being a very short sermon, but this week, what I want you guys to do is speak Eshet Chayel over someone else at least three times. Call out someone else for their excellence, for their wisdom in action, for how they are a woman in valor, or Gabor Chayel, is the masculine version. This is a mighty man of valor. So this isn't something that's specific for women, right? Because being called out for something that you're doing well and being encouraged and being seen for what you're doing is something that can be incredibly empowering. And so I think it's important for us as the body of Christ to be speaking this encouragement over each other. So gentlemen and ladies, at least three times this week, I want you to call out Ishet Chael or Gibor Chael over someone else in your life. Notice what they're doing and call them out for it and encourage them for it. That's all I got this morning. Short and sweet. So let's go ahead and pray as we bring the communion forward. God, I thank you so much uh, for your words and that you're not bringing this checklist of condemnation against us as women. Um, I pray that we would go forward and be able to reflect you in the way that we encourage other people, especially the other people around us that are also followers of Christ. It's in your name I pray. Amen.